All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Tampa Bay Developer Podcast. Here today, we have Angela Yu. Welcome to the show, Angela. Thank you for having me. This and is cool. I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait, right? And uh, Angela is the owner of Grand Cathedral Cigars, or one of the owners, right? Partner. Correct. Well, yes. thanks for having us. This is so cool. We're doing it in the building. Yeah, you're very welcome. I'm excited you guys are here, and I'm excited to share our story. Well, and I'm excited to have a cigar and a cocktail. Let's have a cigar. <laughs> let's light one up. So what's your technique? I know everyone has a different technique with lighting these bad boys. What's your technique? So I like to toast it first just because I can see where the flame is going and I don't want to hit the wrapper. Wrapper is so delicate. Once you scorch it, I mean, it's not how it's intended to be smoked. Right. So I always like to toast the bottom foot maybe for like 20 seconds and then there's some embers already developing. Um, and then once you're done toasting, it should just light within a second. Mm. And then you hit it with the flame after. And I always turn one time. Turn one yeah, time. Yeah, I turn one time. People just to make so, sure it's even. People get so crazy yeah. with it. You know, some Cutter. people some people only, oh, you have to use a match because of the natural burning wood. And oh, yeah, I no. love cigars. I'm, I would say I'm a cigar guy, but I only smoke like Gasparilla like a few cutter. times a year. Uh-oh, mine's is not cut. cut? Is yeah. it? No, I thought they were cut. There you go. I don't know. Any technique is a good technique as long as you you're You know smoking. what's funny? What you said about the lighter. When you go to a cigar factory anywhere in the world, Dominican Republic, Nicaragua, Honduras, Ecuador, anywhere, the cigar makers, as big and fancy as they are, they have a little, you know, just a little soft flame lighter. So all these fancy lighters are great and all, and they're beautiful, but as long as there's fire, it does the job. Very true, right? I'm sure before butane lighters, they figured it out. Yeah. Some way. Well, listen, this building is absolutely fantastic. And I think from the outside, it's very cool. I mean, it's obviously Grand Cathedral. It's an old church cathedral. But when you get on the inside, it's incredible. There's stained glass and woodwork and these incredible light fixtures. So what was the shape of the, what condition was the building in when you guys came in here? It wasn't terrible. So this building was built in 1906, and um, in like the 80s or 90s, there was a fire that took place, and it collapsed the entire building, including the roof. Um, the only things that stood were the four walls, which they were able to preserve. But after that, they rebuilt everything. So luckily for us, everything is not terribly old. Yeah. Um, most of the work that we did was just decoration and putting you know the wood panels on the wall but structurally everything was here which kind of made our job a little bit easier for sure but it was more the aesthetics that we worked on so the you know the stained glass windows um the flooring the tiling more of that kind of stuff i'm so dumb i thought that was real stained glass i didn't even notice it's the fuente logo no so uh i mean there's so many windows in this building it would have been impossible to <laughs> duplicate stained glass everywhere right especially for how tall the building is so we had a local artist um she's local to tampa heights her name is lulu and a lot of her stuff is in the heights area but she came in right before we opened and painted all the windows. I love it. It yeah. looks so cool. And obviously it fits with the cathedral vibe. It's amazing. So we're upstairs here on the mm -hmm. members only lounge. Correct. So you guys have a membership, right? And yeah. kind of what was your thought on, I guess, initially 
the business portion of it, right? Obviously, you can come, grab a drink, smoke a cigar. But where did that membership role come in? Was that the original thought? Well, in the beginning, we were kind of going back and forth whether we wanted to make the entire facility members only or if we wanted to portion it out where only the upstairs was members and downstairs was open to the public. Ultimately, that's what we went with just because we have so many tourists that come to Tampa because mm. we're Cigar City. So to close our doors to tourism and for people who travel here for cigars would just be silly on our end. Um, but we always thought there was a need for a membership lounge in Tampa just because people like their privacy, you know, a place to host meetings. What better place to host a meeting than over a cigar and bourbon? So right. that's kind of what we wanted to facilitate. And we're very lucky now. Um, our membership has remained full since we've been open. But the coolest thing about our membership, I think, are the people who are involved with it. It is a true representation of Tampa. Like a lot of locally owned Tampa businesses, old Tampa families, cigar makers, you know, so... I think that's the coolest part about a membership program. I was looking at y'all's private boxes in the back. You have lawyers and construction companies, yeah. and it's like a mixed bag of everyone that every loves cigars. Every industry. And yeah. that's also why I love cigars, because you meet someone from every single industry that you could possibly think of. Yeah, I mean, well, back in the... So I was talking to Drew Newman. We did a podcast with him, and back in the day, cigars obviously were the main form how people ingested tobacco. Today, there's right. the little vape sticks and cigarettes yeah. and all that. But back then, cigars, people have to imagine this was the main, I mean, drugs, the wrong word, but like main source people would get their, their tobacco use, right. right? So even still today, it kind of like fizzled out. There's so many different types of people that smoke cigars. So it's kind of yeah. cool you guys have it all here under one roof. And I think more so like Tampa in general. So my background is being from California. So the cigar culture in California versus Tampa is completely different. Mm. Here, it's not just a hobby or like a pastime that white collar people do. It is a part of Tampa culture. There's so many people my age whose grandparents worked at cigar factories. You know, that's how a bunch of immigrants came here and that's why you have a Spanish population, a Cuban right. population, Italian population. So it's, it's really, I feel like it's the backbone of a lot of Tampa. Yeah, that was my great, Great grandmother Rosa. She actually rolled cigars in Ybor City. So See? we yeah. everyone's tied to cigars. There, there's a ton <laughs> of people with that heritage. So yeah, California. So you're from California. What brought you over here to Tampa? Are you have you always been in the cigar industry? Um, I've been working with cigars for the past 13, 14 years. 13 years, I think. Uh, I'm 32 now, so it's pretty much like half my lifetime, I feel like. So it's all I've ever known. Um, I had a store in San Diego called Lore Puffer. And ultimately, we always wanted to leave California just because for cigars, it wasn't conducive. Um, I mean, you could wake up one day and the governor could say, by the way, there's a no tobacco smoking effective in 24 hours. Oh. And at that point, it's like, what do you do? Is that something that came up during COVID or is, has that always been the case in California? No, that's always been the case. So California really? is a very anti-tobacco state. The taxation is very high. So for the longevity of what we do, which is sell cigars, there's no lifespan, I guess, in California. So the states that most people always go to are going to be either Florida, Texas, or Pennsylvania because they're the lower tax states when it comes to cigars. And I remember telling my partner, Nathan, you know, the business and the money could be great, but if you don't enjoy where you live, it doesn't mean anything. So to me, Tampa was the most comparable to San Diego, the people 
you know, everyone loves outdoors here. Everyone is always on the water with their dogs. So lifestyle, I feel like Tampa would have been the best move. Yeah, for yes. sure. That's so, how we pursue Tampa. But how did how did you get into cigars? I mean, you must have been what, 14, 15 years old or younger? Um, no. So I started working in a cigar shop when I was 17. Interesting. And um actually no, I think I was 18 when I started working. I started going to a cigar shop at 17. And the reasoning, it's the dumbest reason. Like everyone has great stories, mine is the worst. <laughs> um, I was living downtown in the gas lamp in San Diego. And I had just graduated from high school. I was working with the Padres full-time, going to school full-time at UCSD. But I wasn't 21. And I was living in the Gas Lamp District, which would be kind of like Bourbon Street, where all the restaurants and bars are, and nightclubs. So I couldn't go anywhere because I was underage. And the cigar shop was the only place that never carded me because it was also a coffee shop. So I had this, like, master plan. I'm going to hang out here and meet some people and eventually I'll be able to go to other places because I wasn't of age and uh, I just never left. Oh my gosh, wow. So that's a true story and I would hang out at the cigar shop every single day and do my homework from there and I became a permanent fixture. So you were in cigar shops, but were you actually smoking cigars? No, I hadn't, I didn't want to do, I didn't want anything to do with cigars. (laughs) I knew nothing about cigars. You know, I come from a a very strict Chinese family where I was supposed to be a doctor or a lawyer, a dentist. So the tobacco route wasn't uh, on the top of my priority list, but everything just fell in place. So you're telling mom and dad like, no, I'm only going there to do homework. I'm not. Yeah. So um, my mom now, she's very supportive. She loves the cigar culture. She'll come in on the weekends. But it it took a good 12, 13 years of convincing. Oh, my Lord. Well, you landed in the Mecca, right? Tampa is the cigar capital, right? Right. So when you came here, did you see this building immediately for sale? I don't know the story of how this kind of the real estate transaction took place. No. So, um, I was in San Diego, and at that point, we were kind of dabbling around where we wanted to go next, and we were set on Florida, um, and I was looking at different zip codes throughout Florida, so my mind was always set on Sarasota, West Palm Beach, or Fort Lauderdale, because Mm. I was familiar with those towns. I had never been to Tampa before. Um, How did you hear of Sarasota? um, Just because it's a town that's... Even if I haven't been there, it's well-known in, in California. Oh. There's a lot of people that travel back and forth. So it's just a town that was always in the back of my mind, even though I didn't know much about it. I've just always heard people talking about it. That's where I grew up. I was born in Tampa, but moved to Sarasota when I was 11, mm-hmm. and then did middle school and high school and, okay. and a little bit after college in Sarasota. But to me, growing up there, it was always just a small little beach town. So it's right. interesting. It's like a, on the radar of Yeah, we would always hear from it in Southern California, even though I didn't know anything about it. But I'm like, well, people from California go there, so let's look there, too. Check it out, yeah. Didn't find anything in West Palm Beach. Didn't find anything in Fort Lauderdale. Nothing in Sarasota. And um, I think I used the wrong zip code one time, too. And that's how I found this building. We weren't looking so you're for like Tampa. On or what are you LoopNet. doing? LoopNet. Oh, okay. LoopNet. And uh, I remember it so clearly. It was a Sunday. It was raining in San Diego. So there was nothing to do. And I was just sitting inside the shop looking. Went on LoopNet, found it, and left a message on the realtor's voicemail, who is Steven Schleeman, who is now our membership coordinator. And uh, the message was, I have a crazy idea. I'm from California, but I'd love to open a cigar shop. 
I know it's a church. Like, I hope it's not offensive or anything. Um, and he gave me a call back on Monday, and he said, well, as a matter of fact, my favorite cigars are Arturo Fuente, and so is the owner of the building. So it was like a match made in heaven. Was Steven, so he was down with it. I would imagine he would be like, ooh, I don't know if the city would allow it. It's a church. Did you have use and zoning issues, stuff like that? No. Um, I mean, we're in Cigar City, so the city has always been very supportive um, of cigars and cigar ventures. Um and uh, the experience that I've had with the city is they have been nothing but an absolute blessing. Good. You know, coming from California, the city has just been so helpful in helping us get on our feet. And that's really all you can ask for as a privately owned business, a yeah. city that supports you with the tools that you need. And then ultimately it's up to you what you do with it. But the city has always been very supportive and it's kind of like a breath of fresh air because you don't get that in California. No, and I feel like even more lately, right? There's so many business owners that have left California in the last couple of years. We're in residential real estate, so we are at the tip of the spear in the sense of we get the calls, right, of people moving here. Right. And they all have that same story. We owned a business over there and it was hard to expand and we're getting taxed out the ass and they have all the same stories. So that's awesome to know the local government here wants people to come mm-hmm. and especially to take an old building like this and turn it into something amazing right. that people can use. Because really the thought is like, what the hell else would you use? It would be such a shame to demo this building. I mean, there's right. so much history in it. Well, that's the, that's, that's what it would be, right? They would bulldoze it and then build like some apartment building. I mean, that's <laughs> kind of, that's like the most anyone could right. do with this. So that's awesome. So you called Steven. He's like, for sure, let's do it. Um, man, I would imagine there, there's funding there, there's these ideas you have. So you fly to Tampa and you come see this for the first time. What happens? Uh, that was it. That was done. We're easy. Done deal. Yeah. Done deal. If we see something, we want it, it. we get it. Yeah. So that's that's all it was. It was a simple flight over here. And I mean, it didn't look cosmetically this pretty when we got it, but the bones were there. You what know? did you build out? Was were these rooms here? I mean, what, yeah, what these construction rooms were did here. you guys do? So there, this was office space up here, and um, those like uh, fictitious office cubicles, you know, with the plexiglass. So that's what that entire room where the members' lounge is, and this room, these were all office units. Got it. Um, and then downstairs in the humidor. It was also office space. And then where the bar is was a kitchen for the employees to have lunch. So everything was pretty much there. We just kind of elevated and fixed it up a little bit more. Oh, nice. So you guys got lucky in the sense of like you didn't take this completely run down. No, thank God we did it. Yeah. And then the plumbing was here. The restrooms were all here because it was a church at one point. So there was good amount of, you know, restroom space. So we just kind of made it pretty. That's so cool. I love it. And then outside, you guys have that beautiful area. And I noticed on the stones you have written, Mm -hmm. I think it's the story of of kind of Cigar City. Yeah, so around our koi pond on all the big top pavers uh, is a chronological story of Arturo Fuente and how the company came to be. Starting in 1912, um, Arturo Fuente Sr., who started the company all the way up to where we are today. So every few bricks is another, you know, five years of what happened or important monumental things that occurred during their span. And uh, 
Well, that is. And I really want to preserve, you know, Fuente and Cigar City because that's what Tampa is. And there's so many people that travel from all over the world to come here because of their passion for cigars. Yeah. So this store, which started off as bar lounge membership, has really turned into a museum. And Ooh, yeah. people like to come here and learn about the history of Tampa and cigars. So I'm proud to be able to do that now. Yeah, you're a big part of it. I think one day when more business owners like yourself have these amazing ideas and things like this pop up all over the city, you're going to start a little bus tour around, right? Yeah. Ebor City, the factory, and then you come here and you have a cigar. And I think that's the coolest thing about Tampa, you know, as it as we, or as the years pass by, you know, we're in 2023, People who are born and raised in Tampa and old Tampa families don't forget Tampa of what it is. You know, they don't let the history get lost. They don't let the culture go away. And they really try hard to preserve it, which I think is absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. So That's why I started the show, just to expose that history and culture. Right. Tampa has such a unique <clears throat> history to it. Everyone moving here should know it. It's, yeah. it's not just another Florida city. I think right. that's so much deeper than that. And if everyone can understand our history, maybe we can build something in the future, right? We don't want to have a bunch People of apartments. People from Tampa are proud to be from Tampa, too. Yeah. It's not like other cities where they're trying to move away and go to other places. Like People who are born and raised in Tampa are proud to be from Tampa. Tampa proud. Tampa proud. So a really funny thing a lot of people say when either I tell them about this place and they've been here before or they've only heard of it is they say, yeah, they don't have food, but the food truck outside is really good. Mm -hmm. They all say that. So what's the story there? Are you not allowed to serve food in here? Um, no, we could incorporate a food concept if we wanted to, but to do food, I mean, that's a huge build It's a out. whole thing. Yeah. yeah, and I used to manage a restaurant, and restaurants are tough. Like, you got expiration date on tomatoes, <laughs> on mayo, on eggs, on dairy, like... That's a lot of ingredients. So luckily we have a food truck that's parked outside. It's called Chicho's. And uh, they do kind of like crafty sandwiches and burgers. And they're, they're, they're parked permanently there. Um, and they service our customers inside. That's awesome. So, Do you guys have any of your own cigars? What are we smoking here? So this is my personal favorite, which is a Casa Cuba Doble Cinco. And uh, this is made by Arturo Fuente. Um, we do also have our own house cigars downstairs in the humidor. Um, those cigars are manufactured in Costa Rica, and we sell them in six different blends. That's so cool. But this is my go-to cigar always. It's phenomenal. Super smooth, mm -hmm. very light. I like um, mild cigars like this. The mm -hmm. dark ones are way too heavy. you got to be in the mood for a yeah. heavy cigar like that. This is an easy cigar, and it's very universal. You know, there's yeah. a little bit of flavor profile for no matter who is smoking, mm -hmm. so... I always tend to go to this one. You know what I love, too? How all y'all's drinks are named after, like, religious icons. Like, yeah. you have, like, like I'm drinking the Pope. Right. And then you have, we have what? have a bishop. The we bishop. have Old Testament. It's hilarious. Old sinner. You're, you're so. digging into that, like, religious church thing. I think it's sweet. Yeah. And the girls love it, too. So, I mean, our staff here, they're absolutely wonderful. I let them have the creativity of what they want to do. So each one is responsible kind of for their own drink and they can let their creative minds wander free. You're, you're a woman who's in the cigar industry. That's a rarity, as you know. Was it difficult finding other women to work here? Um, I think it was more difficult finding staff because I didn't know anyone in Tampa. Yeah. Um, besides 
you know, the J.C. Newman family and the Arturo Fuente family and the Oliva family, those were the first people that I met when I moved here. But as far you as... You met the right people. <laughs> yeah, no, they were great, and I knew them from cigars. But as far as staffing locally, you know, bartenders and everything, it was tough in the beginning mm. trying to find a staff. And also because we didn't necessarily have... Uh, a direction of where we really wanted to be because the whole thing was evolving. You know, what our vision was the first day we started to versus what it is now is completely different. So the whole thing was evolving and it was hard to find a staff, but now I am grateful to the greatest team I could possibly ask for. They're great. I, yeah. I can attest to that. Yeah, you, what did you like? You didn't even have an apartment or a house before you had this building. No, I was like a gypsy. I was Airbnb and Airbnb and Air. I was going from Airbnb to Airbnb to Airbnb. Amazing. Yeah. I so was when you saw this building, you were pulled. I mean, you jumped ship. You were like, oh, I just got on the plane and I left. Unreal. Yeah. Do you still own the business in California? Uh, so I sold that December of last year. So you did. Yeah. You owned that business while you were working on this thing. Correct. Wow. I bet and that then, was a challenge, right? It was. I mean, that was my first store that I owned myself um i've always worked at other people's stores but that was the first one that i was able to be directly involved in yeah so there's a sentimental value to that um but also it just wasn't realistic running a store in california and then in tampa you know logistically yeah. it was too difficult um and this is my passion here this is my pride and joy this is my baby so i wanted to dedicate more time here and there's still room to grow and there's still so many things that we could do here. You know, I looked at it as why split my time between here and there when there's really no future in California for me. I love it. Focus on this, on your baby here. So what are some of those things you want to do in the future? What's on the radar? Okay, the craziest dream that I have. Let's hear it. Some people, <laughs> oh, I can't say. I don't want to say. Craziest dream, and I don't even know if it would ever be possible, but if I could one day host a dinner in the bell tower on the Florida Avenue side. Um, that would be the coolest thing. And it wouldn't be like a commercial kitchen or anything. I could cater it out, but I would just love to host a dinner at the top of the bell tower because you have a 360 degree view of Tampa. You see Davis Island, Harbor Island, downtown skyline, Raymond James stadium, you know, the Bay, it's absolutely beautiful. So I would just love to host a dinner there. How big is it? How big are we talking? Like 10 um, people? It's about the size of this room. Not so bad. No, I could put a table of, you know, six or eight. And I would love to find um, maybe like a specialty cater chef and do like a 10-course tasting with a oh prefix wine menu. So that's always been my dream. Speaking my language. Yeah, that would be that's awesome. that's been my dream. So is that area available for a member to go up there and check out or that you guys Oh, keep it's that? not done at all. Oh. <laughs> that's like long-term goals. Right, right, right. What's yeah. up there now? Just um, Pigeons. Pigeons. <laughs> pigeons and pigeon poop. P pigeons and pigeons, yeah. Oh, my God. How cool would that be, right? You could mm -hmm. even do, imagine like a chandelier up there, right? You could see it from the street. It's beautiful. Yeah. So. So cool. There's a lot of older buildings, including cigar factories in Tampa, that have been abandoned for so long. I tell anyone who's moved here in the last, like, five years, Tampa used to be really run down. Right. Tampa was pretty bad in the 90s and early 2000s and even before that. And a lot of the beautiful old brick buildings and structures have been either bulldozed or abandoned. Right. Obviously, this being one of them. 
There's an old cigar factory, the big clock tower that they're turning into a wine venue in oh, West yeah. Tampa. Yeah. That's a cool concept. But I love the idea of taking these old buildings and repurposing them versus tearing them down. You see right. too many torn down. Do you have a vision to expand and do a different type of concept around town? Um, I mean, I'd always love to open up another store, of course. <laughs> but, uh, I think my hands are tied right now here for the next couple of years. I still think there's a lot of room to grow here, but eventually I'd like to do my, my home is Tampa now. Yeah. I claim Tampa. I love that. So once this is completely on its feet and I feel like I'm able to leave. Yeah. I'd love to do more in Tampa. Hell yeah. It's, you said your mom comes here all the time. Does she live here now? She does. She lives in Harbor Island. Heck yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And she has really immersed into Tampa, which I think is the coolest thing. Was she, is she, was she born in China and then immigrated to America or was yeah. she born Yeah. So she was born in China. Um, my father was born in Hong Kong and I was born in San Francisco. So I lived, after I was born, I went back to Hong Kong. I lived there until 1996 cool. before the... Hong Kong handover to communist China. Mm. And then I moved to San Diego. So that's just always been my home. Um, and when I moved out here, the only one thing that I knew I needed was that my mom lived here with me. Mm. So if my mom didn't move out here, I wouldn't have come out here. I'm a mama's boy. So, I totally feel you. Yeah. And I don't have a big family. My family is my mom and my three dogs. So <laughs> only child. Only child. Cheers. Cheers, uh, single parents, yep. and uh, yep. always been my mom and our pets. That's so awesome. that's the only one thing that I needed is her to come out here. So mom's here, mom loves it. Yeah. I bet she can't believe this place. Does California have a lot of older buildings like this? No, I don't think in San Diego. San Francisco does. I mean, San Francisco yeah. is gorgeous. San Diego, I mean, our oldest, we, don't, we have an old town, but it's all new stuff that was rebuilt. Yeah. Um, we don't have old brick buildings like this. I've never been to San Diego, but that's what I would imagine. Like, not a lot of character to right. it. Right. And all the homes are, you know, KB Homes, Shea Homes, um, Cookie Cut. They all look the same. Yeah. Which, when I first moved to Tampa, I thought was the strangest thing because I've never seen places where every home looks so different. Um, but that's how Southern California is. Yeah. And it's beautiful, you know, when you live there. There's nothing wrong with it. It's absolutely gorgeous. But Tampa Charm has grown on me. It does have a lot of charm. Like, think about some of the neighborhoods in South Tampa where you have a brick street, you have, like, maybe a more modern house, and then right next to it, a 100-year-old bungalow, right. and then next to that, and like, a trees, Spanish... And the trees, like, all those... Uh, I don't know which street in South Tampa it is, but there's one road going towards Bayshore, and it's just a column of oak trees on both sides that overhang, and it's the most beautiful thing ever. Is it the one in Hyde Park? I think so, maybe. Willow Avenue. Yeah. And it's, got, and it's just huge oak trees yeah, on each it's side. It's like a canopy. It almost looks like a it's tunnel. Beautiful. And then you see the water at the other end. Yeah. yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah, Tampa's unique in that way. Not a lot of cities have. And I think actually Tampa has one of the largest tree canopies of any major city on earth. I believe it. Yeah. I've never seen so many trees till I came to Tampa. Yeah. When I first moved here, I was taking pictures of the trees and sending it to people in California. <laughs> Because we there's don't. trees here. Look, everyone. Oh, my God. There's trees here with leaves on it. Like, yeah. all our trees are dead. I know. Um, and it's green, which is crazy. We don't see California's that. California's such a desert. Yeah. But it's dry. That's the thing, man. Mm -hmm. You guys, well, I say you guys, you're a Tampa girl now. California has the best weather on planet Earth. 
Hands down. That, Hands that down, Southern right? Cal or San Diego particularly. So this will be. be what? Your third summer in Florida. Third summer. Yep. It's mean, not as bad as people make it seem though. Like at least it's not Orlando with asphalt everywhere. You know, we got the bay point. and Tyler Ladder. Ladder me blazer. <laughs> right over there. The um that's the thing about Orlando. Like mm -hmm. I could never do Orlando. And and I'm not just saying that because I'm a Tampa guy. Right. Orlando to me is just tourist traffic, concrete, yeah. cars, like too much, no terrible. beach, terrible. middle of the, it's horrible, right? Terrible. Terrible. But, and it's um, like Mickey Mouse everywhere. Like how many times can you see Mickey Mouse? It's so true. You've seen him once. You've seen him a million it's Mickey times. Mickey Mouse and like yardstick hurricane slushies, I feel like. <laughs> Did you, I mean, what I'm it, sorry, Orlando. When, when you first got to Florida, did you do a lot of adventuring around? I mean, did you go to Sarasota? Did you go to Orlando and yeah, check it so out? Yeah, so I'm, a, I'd like to say I'm pretty adventurous. I like to be outdoors a lot. I like to be out on the water. Um, I love driving because I'm, you know, in California, everything is so far apart. Yeah. To go to work. I mean, you have people who live in San Diego who work in LA and they'll drive four hours each way, which is insane. What? So for me to go an hour or two hours up to Cedar Key or go to Orlando or Daytona, I did my fair share of exploring. Yeah. Yeah. What's your, I mean, besides Tampa, kind of what's your favorite spot in Florida you've seen? Cedar Key. Mm. I love Cedar Key. It's beautiful. That's my place where, like, if I've had a long month of just back-to-back -back events and I want to get away, I go to Cedar Key because my cell phone doesn't work, their <laughs> internet is terrible, but they have the best seafood and the people there are just so kind, and I love that town. That's the real Florida. Yeah. Like, the back-end Florida, right? Off the grid. You can find that in the middle of the state, too. You know, where there's not as much traffic. Obviously, Florida's blown up in the last few years. There's over 20 million people that live here now, which is so crazy. But when you go to little islands like that yeah. and little towns like that, it's really fun to see. But speaking of, like, back-to-back -back events, do you guys do events here? Like, private events? We do. So, we host a lot of events ourselves, um, and we pair up with liquor companies and cigar brands. Cool. And then we also have kind of turned into an event space where people will reserve the building or the backyard patio um, for private functions. Cool. So you can reserve this whole building. Yeah. So we've had the whole building reserved a couple times. The backyard getting reserved is really common. Um, towards quarter four, we do a lot of holiday socials, Christmas parties and whatnot. Um, and we do, you know, bachelor parties, birthday parties, That's retirement sick. parties. Bachelor party here would be cool. We work a lot with the city. We throw a lot of city functions. So That's awesome. It's fun. Are you guys staying busy with private events? I would imagine so. Yeah. Um, event. In the beginning, we were never really supposed to be an event space. We just wanted to sell cigars and liquor and membership. Um, but because of the space that we have, it has turned more so into an event space. Yeah. So now I have an entire container just filled with event stuff. Oh, so amazing. tables, chairs, tablecloths, you know, chafing dishes for food. If someone wants to do like a banquet table, it turned into an event space. So if someone was to say, okay, what is Grand Cathedral Cigars? It's like event space, private member, cigar bar. I mean, it's, yeah. it's so much. The sky's the limit. We'll make it happen. The sky's the limit. And in the future, private dining area upstairs. Oh, Private and we've street. had weddings. We've had uh, really? three weddings here. Like, walk down the aisle wedding. 
Where do people do it? Probably in the big room, right? On the patio. On the patio. Yeah. So, and it's a beautiful backdrop. I hope not this time of year. No, luckily not this time. I actually have an engagement party coming up on Sunday, but for actual weddings, they'll usually do it on the patio and they'll walk across the bridge of the koi pond and set up like a backdrop. And that's where the, you know, the bridal party stands. So it's, it's nice. It's a big area out there. It's a really great space. And if you guys move that furniture, like that's a sizable area where you could get yeah. a good Yeah, and that's the, you know, we're very lucky. We have a great staff and when it comes to events, we will dress up the patio completely um, or get rid of the furniture, add more furniture. So we're very flexible when it comes to events. Yeah, heck yeah. And then that area in the Koi Pond, did you guys all build that or was that there? Um. Probably like half and half. Half and so, half. So, yeah, half of it was there, half of it wasn't, and then we really fixed it up and did a lot of landscaping. Yeah, it looks good. So, like, we built, we didn't build, but we um, planted a bunch of bamboo on the yeah. north side of the lot. To, Banana trees, I see. Yeah, kind of to make it more of, like, an oasis and keep us a little bit more private from the neighbors. So... What do the neighbors think? They're like, what is going on over here? They got cigars. It's a church. Um, For the most part, we've had, you know, the Tampa Heights and the Seminole Heights community. I'm so lucky that we're situated here because they're very supportive of brick and mortar. Um, So they've just really embraced us being here. They've been wonderful neighbors. So we're pretty blessed. And then the Koi Pond, did you guys add that in or was like that a a Um, cultural thing you just had to? So... I had a koi pond in San Diego. Okay. <laughs> and that was the one thing that I wanted two things. I wanted a koi pond and I wanted a piano. That's the only two things I asked Can't you for. see Angela with koi like in these big bags running through LAX? Yeah. Put, putting koi in. <laughs> Actually, I got some of the koi from Orlando. Mm. So I am a huge Facebook marketplace, thrift shop, Craigslist. Like I... Like, to me, it's hunting, and when I find something, it's like I found a treasure. Yeah. So, a few of the large fish I got from Orlando. That's and I drove so funny. all the way to Orlando to pick them up and bring them back. Um, a few <laughs> members dumped fish in there. Really? Yeah. Uh, we have one member whose daughter released a fish, and she comes and visits the fish. That's cute. We had uh, <laughs> one regular customer who got deployed overseas, and he had two koi, so he threw them in there. Oh, so cool. So it's kind of a community now. It's a little community. Yeah, it's a community. I love it. So you are uh, um, an online Craigslist. My wife is the same way. She mm-hmm. loves little treasure hunting. Is that how you um, curated a lot of these? I mean, you guys have some incredible artwork, cigar labels, old Tampa Tribune articles, stuff right. like that. How'd you find it all? I because it's a it's a hefty amount of stuff yeah in a good way probably 95 percent of the fixtures in this building I found through either estate sales or Facebook marketplace amazing and I've just been accumulating and accumulating so when I was in San Diego I knew we were going to open a store somewhere I just didn't know where so I had been collecting decorations and light fixtures and oh, you doors were good to go. Yeah, for almost two years. Amazing. So I shipped over two containers worth of stuff, and that's where a lot of the stuff came from. Um, all the light fixtures downstairs, the chandeliers, that's all from San Diego. A lot of the doors downstairs that you'll see, they came from homes in San Diego that I purchased. Wow. These chairs came from Myrtle yeah, Beach. I wanted to ask about these guys. Yeah. Some of the furniture is incredible in here. It's it's uh, beautiful, real, authentic mm-hmm. 
wood carved furniture. It's really pretty. So all this is from you. You didn't hire a designer that put... No, I just like to buy things. <laughs> Amazing. That's so cool. I saw a woman. She was a shorter woman running around, um, older woman, and she had a picture frame. And she was like, I got to find a space on the wall for this. Remember her? Oh, that's when, Barbara. Yeah. Yeah, the blonde lady. Yeah, yeah. She's putting up some pictures for me today. She was awesome. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know where you're going to put it. There's not mm -hmm. much more room. But it's so cool. And then you've got, like, articles, too, like Tampa articles, like a Tampa Tribune article about burying President Kennedy or this one here, which has a have, have, a, have Tampa a Tampa advertisement. Yeah. So How that do, stuff I found on eBay. And I've been collecting for a while different Tampa artifacts just because I knew I wanted this sort of be Tampa-based. Um, once we acquired the building, I just went on eBay every single day. <laughs> and anything that's at Ybor City or Tampa, I purchased. Shopping so, spree. Yeah. That's awesome. And then these, so we're going to be building out a new studio we're super excited mm -hmm. about. And I wanted to create, I don't know, we want to smoke cigars in there. I'm looking at these air purifiers. Tell mm -hmm. me about these things because this building is not smoky. It doesn't really smell like cigar right. smoke. So what type of system in here do you guys have? Um, so we have multiple systems. Um, we're actually in the process of we're going to purchase another one. Um, in the members room, we have a few rabbit airs going as well as downstairs. And we mount them to the ceiling. And then in the bar area, we kind of created our own scrubbing box. So we have one big box with a bunch of filters and then we have inline fans and it pulls the air in and cleans it out. So every couple months we gotta switch out the filter pads. Um, and then we purchased that, I don't know if you saw in the higher high ceiling area, there's a really big fan. Yeah. Kind of like the ones that they have at Harley Davidson dealerships, but that really helps with moving the air. Yeah. I mean, I'd imagine a bunch of people smoking cigars in the same building. It would get cloudy, but it's... Yeah, and that was a here. struggle here in Florida just because of the humidity. Right. So in Southern California, since we really don't have humidity and it's 70 degrees all year long, we just open two doors and it, it acts like a, as a vacuum. Here is fine during the cool months, but in the middle of summer, we can't open our doors just mm. because of how hot it is. And then the humidity and the temperature will freeze over our air conditioning unit. So we have to do everything internally. Ah, well, you guys figured it out. It feels great. And then the room behind us here is really sweet. You guys have a big room, bunch of chairs, and then a ton of TVs on the wall. Mm -hmm. What do you call that? Like the lounge? So that's our main members lounge. We call this the quiet room. Um, a lot of our members will reserve this space in here for meetings or events. Um, that's more of like the communal members lounge. Mm -hmm. So... Well, on like a Friday night, we'll have a bunch of different people upstairs. Yeah. Uh, the TVs are great whenever there's a sporting event. It's um, a Matrix TV, so you can watch nine different things, or you can make one big screen That's TV. That's sick. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I was here for a Florida State game last year, and it was sweet. The place was packed. Like, yeah. you guys had the game on. It was a, it was a cool vibe. There's not, like you kind of said before, there's really not a lot of these types of concepts here in Tampa. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's obviously, like... Davidoff and West Shore, yeah. which is a chain. Is that a chain? Um, so now they're called Corona Cigars. Yeah. And uh, the owner, Jeff Borschwitz, who has been a long time, I want to say hero of mine. Like growing up in the cigar industry, I've always looked up to him just because 
of all the things he's able to, been able to accomplish. Um, he has multiple stores in Orlando, and this is the one in Tampa. And he also recently opened a store as well in Sarasota. Um, mm. I mean, I think that's the charm of Tampa. You know, every store has a different ambiance. Every store has a different vibe. Even if you go to 7th Avenue, there's a lot smaller stores, but you get to see the hand rolling and the art right. of cigars. So everyone has a little bit different kind of theme. Yeah, totally. The new Sterling Cigar Lounge on mm-hmm. 7th Avenue. Do you know the story behind that? I'd I love don't, to that but I think tonight, if I saw correctly on social media, is their opening night. No way. I think they already had their soft opening this past weekend. Um, but I think they're actually opening today. So what that's cool on my to-do list to yeah. go to today. Yeah, you got to check that out. That was an interesting concept because it was built from the ground up. Yeah. So they built that, that specifically. That is a huge endeavor. Massive, huge. right? I mean, yeah. that's a pretty big investment just for a cigar lounge. You're kind of in that world, right? You're talking to these owners and, mm. and the cigar families. Are they seeing a pretty big increase in popularity of customers and tourists? and Yeah, I mean... Tampa, especially Ybor City, is branded Cigar City in the entire world. You know, people come here specifically for cigars. So I think the more stores that open, the better it is for the whole cigar community because that's why people come here. Yeah. And um, since I've been here, which I moved here July of 2020, and we opened January of 2021, I've seen a huge influx of people coming here for cigars. And, And it's also... Not only because of cigars, but, I mean, look at how much Tampa has grown. Right. You know, look at Water Street. Look at Tampa, the Heights area. There's just so many new business ventures and concepts coming here. I mean, Tampa's the greatest city in the world. You have everything. Everything. You can eat, drink, smoke, play. Go to the beach. Go to the beach. Go on a boat and fish. Go to Mickey Mouse, but not live yeah. right next to him. Everything them. is here. Everything, Yeah. I was telling Drew Newman, I could see Tampa really being a cruise ship, not only just port where people embark, but an actual destination, like a stop. Right. Like, imagine you come here, you hop on a tour bus, you go to the cigar factories and the lounges. There's so much to do here. There's so much to do here. And then the river walk. I mean, like, look at the river. It's it's absolutely gorgeous. And so much more to come, too. If you look at even, like, just take the heights, right? Like, just this area. There's so much planned right here. There's yeah. so much new development. The armature works, development, that whole area around it with the apartments and the office buildings. I mean, pretty soon here, like the actual urban core is going to kind of creep up to where you right. guys are. And I love that it's not just commercial space or just, you know, residential space. Everything is starting to be mixed use which is great because you can access everything within walking distance and I think that's what makes a town so attractive to tourists. You know, to be able to stay at a hotel, walk to a restaurant, walk to a bar, or bike, or, you know, an Uber is $15. Everything is so close. I mean, this is the greatest city ever. And then you have sports, too. We have amazing sports here. Amazing sports. And then maybe the Rays in Ybor City. Can you imagine that? Oh, that'd be awesome. What a game changer. (laughs) That'd be awesome. What a game changer. That's a trifecta there. I mean, it's, yeah, it's exploding. And and there's so much more to come. I think we're just getting started. I think we've really only scratched the surface of what this city could become. Right. So, so... um, Moving, what, what I always liked about L- L.A. was the walkability factor there, right? Mm-hmm. Like the storefronts, you know, on 
every major street, there's all these storefronts and people walking along the street. And then like behind that commercial sector, there was neighborhoods. Right. And I think what's cool about Tampa is we're almost taking that same model. Like yes, you said, I mixed agree. use, which is super cool. I think the downside we have, though, is the freaking heat, man. Ooh, it's hard. Yeah. I can't imagine, like, walking here to Armature Works is not that far. Maybe a mile. Like, it's really not that bad. But this time of year. But then God bless Uber and scooters. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. The new e-bike system. And I think, too, as more people appreciate that walkable lifestyle and as the population gets denser, Hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll get some more trolley lines up in here. Yeah. We'll get some public transportation like California has. Right. Like California, like LA has the rail system. I know, I think San Diego has one too. Yeah, right? we have our trolley system and it's, you know, everyone uses it. Yeah. Just because it goes to all the different towns and stuff. And I mean, I would love to see Tampa have that. I think it's coming. It just takes time. I think you're in early. I really but do. From, so I moved here 2020. We're in 2023 now. And in the almost three years that I've been here, the sidewalks have been improved. You know, on 7th Avenue, going from here to the Newman factory, they've completely redone the center divider. Now you have palm trees and everything's gotten fixed up. So yeah. I feel like Tampa's really taking the move of joining not only Ebor, but downtown Ebor, Channel Side, Armature. Like it's all connected which i think is nice that's what's really cool is there's a few different areas around the urban core that are really becoming one so it's Mm -hmm. like this one large really urban city i mean just alone right like true downtown even where your mom's at harbor island all the way up here to the heights and then all the way over to ebor like soon realistically that's going to become one walkable area yeah like if you could snap your finger and all the development that is planned just do like a loop oh my god yeah imagine a trolley that well even the trolley line right now is goes from ebor down through downtown past harbor island and then up i mean if they continue it it'll literally i think actually it's on florida avenue yeah i think they have a pickup they have a pickup on by the convention By the convention center, no? Yeah, the, that's Dick Greco Plaza. That's uh-huh. actually named after my grandfather. Uh, that that goes straight up into downtown, and they've talked about doing a, another line that goes okay. from there to, I think, all the way up Palm, to no? Palm. Yeah, yes. Palm. So imagine that. That would be awesome. And then imagine from Palm it goes over 7th and no, connects this, back this to Ebor. This whole area is beautiful crazy right yeah. so and the I convention think center is absolutely gorgeous amazing so when i go visit my mom and i drive across the bridge to come back to the non-harbor island side i look at the skyline and i always take a picture and send it to my california friends because it's so beautiful you know you have american social and jackson's you have the convention center right there you have major beautiful hotels you have boutique hotels I mean, there's really something for everyone. Yeah, totally. You got to get your real estate license. Get some of those California buyers. <laughs> yeah. Come on, people. I'm trying to convince them all to come here. I'm telling you, life is just better in Tampa. I think it is. I think you could say that to a lot of people from a lot of states. You could tell a New Yorker that, mm. right? You could tell you could tell anyone that. The, the quality of life here is, I think, so far beyond so many other states. And not right. even just government, not even from a tax perspective, but right. just a quality of life. That is what I always say. I say the quality of life. And I joke around with my boyfriend all the time and say, you know, if there was ever a conference or something where they take people, expats from other states who have moved here to Tampa, 
to do like a speech or something. Like I would love to talk about it just because I mean, Tampa has given me everything I've ever wanted and the people, the city, I mean, just everything. When you first, you knew of Tampa, right? You're a cigar girl. You're in the industry. You've obviously heard, okay, Cigar City. Is there anything that surprised you living here for three years that was just totally unexpected? Um, no, just because I've always moved a lot when I, uh, while I lived in San Diego. A lot of my friends call me a gypsy because I just pick <laughs> up and go. Yeah. I'll get bored and I'll be like, all right, off to the next place. Um, you know, I moved to the Bahamas in 30 days because I decided I wanted to live in the Bahamas. Holy shit. So I lived there for three years. So nothing was really surprising. I lived in Abaco. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I lived in Abaco in Marsh Harbor and Treasure Key. Um, but no, I mean, there wasn't anything that was crazy. I will say the above ground utilities was one of the things that I noticed. Yeah. Just because everything in California, everything is buried underground. So we don't have electrical wires hanging. So that was kind of a shock to see electrical wires everywhere. I'm not a fan. They need to bury those suckers. But that was the only thing. Why don't they bury them, right? I mean, it probably costs more money, but we have hurricanes here. Right. It looks so ugly. To oh, have and these street holes. gutters. There's not a lot of street gutters. So, like in California, every block you go on, there's you know irrigation and gutters, and the storm drain water will go right. somewhere. But it's also because San Diego is such a new town, and Tampa is so much older that a lot of these communities, like West Tampa and whatnot, were here for so long that they never really built that underground irrigation system and whatnot. So they, I will, I'll say the utilities was yeah, the one thing such a that I thing. noticed. That's like the last thing I would have thought, but it's utilities. so true now that you say that all the wires everywhere and the old mm. gutters and the brick streets. Yeah. I would imagine San Diego doesn't have a lot of brick streets, right? No. And I mean, it's a new city. Yeah. It's everything, a new city. everything is all, all the new homes that are being developed, they're all new communities. And even L.A., because, you know, L.A. LA is an old, old city. Right. But a lot of it's spread out in, like, the 60s, 70s after yeah. brick streets And they're were continuing to build in L.A. on top of each other. But when they're building, everything is newer. Yeah. So you see more new construction versus old construction. If you look in the neighborhoods around here, Ybor, Tampa Heights, like this kind of north downtown area, you'll be driving on a paved road and hit a pothole and, like, go into a brick road. Like literally if you yeah. look at the paved paved roads, it's on top of brick. It'd be interesting if they could figure out a cost effective way. But see for me coming from San Diego, I thought the brick roads were the coolest thing because we don't get to see that. Totally agree. I mean, that's like archaic for us, you know. But it's so cool. But that's that character we're talking about. Yeah. Right? Like that's what gives the sauce to a city is that character. And that's a part of this building too, right? Mm -hmm. If we could figure out a way to get those brick roads back and repurpose these old buildings, right. we could be talking about a really cool city. Yeah, well, even like, so downstairs in our bar area, if you notice the pavers that are on the ground, they're the same pavers that um, they have in Ebor, the exact same ones. And when we were doing construction, we were talking whether we should redo the floors and put beautiful tile but then we're like, no, why would we do that? This is a piece of history right here on our ground that you yeah. can't duplicate because those pavers don't exist anymore. I love that. There's so many projects around town that I look at and I just think, ah, you could see that in Miami or Orlando. We've hated on Orlando so much. Yeah. 
But you know, like like that character, I think is what makes a town special, and it's what makes people want to move here, right? And people want to visit. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't know. You can go X to a new city, city anywhere. A new city anywhere, all over the world. You can't world. find these brick buildings anymore. You can't find you know the pavers in Ebor. No. You can't make those trees in Hyde Park grow. No, 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 <laughs> you no. can't do that. A lot of those trees were put in by developers in the 1920s and okay. 30s. If you look at, which is really interesting, and maybe even on your walls you have some old pictures of Tampa, a lot of the area was scrubland, so it was like saw palmetto and okay. pine trees. Right. Um, if you go out, and I'd love to show you some pictures, my um, my mom's side of the family. Okay. Um, my uncle, so the Turner family, owns this big ranch, the High Hat Ranch in Sarasota. Huge, huge, huge property, but it's like untouched, raw mm. Florida land. And a lot of it's pine trees. And you right. kind of don't get a lot of that here in the city because there's so many oak trees. Right. If you look at an old picture of Tampa, it's all a lot tall of pine. Yeah, all these tall, cool pine trees. And I think that that is a really mm. interesting, cool look. It's a little unfortunate that back in the day, so many trees were built. And it's right. like all these trees are everywhere. Well, but I still geek gorgeous. out going up to like Wesley Chapel. Yes. Because on the freeway, it's all, or you guys call it interstate out here, right? Yeah. Interstate. The interstate has all these pine trees next to it. And I, I send pictures of that to people in California. What it, we don't see that. Do people, are, are, do you still have friends that are like, ah, we'll never leave. Florida's a no. swamp. So since I've been here, you know, we throw a lot of events and our regulars in California and our friends in San Diego, they've all made the trip out here and everyone falls in love with this town just because yeah. there's so much to do. You know, even if we take away business, right? Like take away the business aspect. I mean, you have everything you could possibly ask for here. Whatever you're, and I love entertaining people, guests from out of town, because you can take them anywhere. If they're into sports, we have that. If they're into music, we have that. If they're into theater, we have that. If they want to go fishing and on the boat, we have that. So it, there's just so much here. Yeah, how could you not love it, I guess, right? I'm trying to convince everyone to come out here. You should. Although there's a lot of people that say, shut up, the rent's too high. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need more people, more traffic. But, hey, if you have a beautiful place, people are going to want to move. What are you going to do, stop people from moving? It's right. just unrealistic. Yeah. You know, growing up, I never, I don't think I knew one person from California. Mm -hmm. It was just never on the radar of Californians. I mean, it, it right. was just never there. I think we always, the east coast of Florida got a lot of um, northeastern people in New York. A lot of those people went down 95 and... Moved to Fort Lauderdale and Boca Raton right. and Miami and all that. And then and then our coast got a lot of Midwestern influence. Snowbirds. Stuff like that. Snowbirds. We never had people from California. And really since COVID, that has shifted. Mm -hmm. I think COVID, for more reasons than one, some political, maybe it exposed some of the issues like you mentioned with right. business in California that put Florida on the map and, and maybe people from California thought, Oh, maybe Florida is a place we should look at right. as an alternative. I think COVID is what triggered the accelerated move out of California. You know, we always wanted to leave, but it was COVID that made us realize, you know, this is not the state for us. Yeah. You know, during COVID we were 
only allowed to be out of the home for a set amount of hours. And if you were driving on the freeway, you would get pulled over. And if you weren't working, you know, if you didn't have a government job, you weren't in the military, you weren't a first responder, you didn't work at a hospital, you would get cited for being on the freeway. And for me, owning a cigar lounge where I still have to pay my OTP tax, which is other tobacco product tax, which is 70% in California, my mentality is how do you expect me to pay your tax every single month if you're not letting us be open. Seven, seven, zero? Seven, zero. Seven, it's zero. anywhere, so it dabbles between 65 and 75%, changes every year. Meaning you sell something for a <clears> dollar <throat> and you owe a 70 cent tax? To the state of California, whether we sell it or not. So that's the problem for us. That almost doesn't us. even seem real. No, it's terrible, and for us- Like how would you even run a business like that? Well, you can't. So when the city is telling you that you can't be open, and the state is telling you that people can't be out on the roads unless they're an essential worker, how are we supposed to sell tobacco products and pay you 70% of tax when you're not allowing us to be open? You know, and I think that was ultimately the trigger that made us want to leave so quickly. Oh my God, I can imagine. And so. other things are taxed as well, but I mean, tobacco at 70%, that's a huge chunk. Massive. And I talk about, you know, I tell people all the time, I couldn't imagine our humidor downstairs with the inventory that we have paying 70, 65 to 70% on all of that inventory. On top of whatever yeah, federal so the, tax. That's on top of, and then there's federal tax and then there's sales tax. So the, oh the, my, the you taxation. Guys are getting eaten alive over there. Yeah, the taxation is, you know, tripled or quadrupled by the time it ends, at, by the time the product hits the end consumer. Then we have our income tax and our state tax that I pay personally at the end of the year too. So it's just taxation on top of taxation on top of taxation. Whereas Florida, the state tax for cigars is zero percent. Oh my gosh! So it's a it's a huge That's difference, a windfall right there. especially particularly in the tobacco industry. That's the thing. It's like you can move here and have this increased quality of life mm -hmm. and make more money. So for so it's many so people, win -win. Yeah, it's a it's no brainer. A, yeah. Drew Newman was saying there's a lot of issues right now in the federal government with mm -hmm. tobacco regulation. Yeah. And how there's some law that they've passed. I forgot the name of it. They're actually going to Congress and having mm -hmm. discussions with them about um, they basically, and you might know more than me, but they basically want to regulate all tobacco products the same. Cigarette, right. cigar, vape. Right. And Drew's position, and I'm sure yours too, is, hey, look, we're different. Like, a different we're a product. novelty. It's a yeah. different product. It's completely different, and that's has been the ongoing fight for premium cigars, but particularly within the past, you know, five, six years, it's been more heavily regulated. You know, the FDA is getting involved, <clears throat> but it's not vape. You know, right. vape is made up of propyl glycerin and flavoring, where if you take the raw flavoring and you put it on a styrofoam cup, it'll eat right through it. This is a, f a plant that grows out of the soil. There's not much manipulation that can go into it. So that has been an ongoing issue. And luckily, you know, being in Florida and for the cigar industry as a whole, we have families like the Newmans, the Padrones, the Fuentes, you know, all these different privately owned cigar families are all coming together now to go to Washington, D.C. and bring up these concerns because a cigarette is not the same as a cigar and a vape is not the same as a cigar. They're so important. Those families are so important to that process because... Who else could stand up and tell that heritage mm -hmm. and that story and really explain to some of these lawmakers, like, look, it's really not the same thing and, right. and show the history of their family and the people that enjoy these 
amazing products as a novelty and as something to sit and enjoy with a friend for an hour versus a pack a day versus, you know, some 15 year old kid. I mean, this is, this is, I think, you know, cigars besides the history that's tied with cigars, it's an art in itself to make a cigar from seed to what we have in our hands goes through hundreds of hands just to get to the finished product versus a vape, right? You mix two liquids, put it in a bottle, and that's it. Mm-hmm. It's completely different. Completely different. It's also marketed different, <clears throat> too. Yeah. I mean, vapes are sold at, cigars are sold at gas stations, too, right? Mm-hmm. But vapes are sold at gas stations in these colorful products. Right. And I remember and there weren't vapes when I was in high school. I think they kind of just came on the scene after I graduated high school. It right. was more cigarettes then. But I remember there was like camel. Right now it's like the peak. The of, peak, yeah. the peak vape. and But even then it was like the flavored cigarettes, like a camel crush and like menthol flavorings. I remember the right. FDA was kind of yeah trying to, trying to bat that down. To me, this is completely different. This is, I think it should be a separate regulation on its own. Right. I mean, I, I, you almost, what's interesting too is it's the most pure form of tobacco right really you can is. adjust there's no additives, there's no additives right. right even cigarettes have additives so in a weird way it shouldn't even be regulated like tobacco even though right. it's the most pure form of tobacco right true so yeah i, I think you should those, go lobby in dc for us i know well, <laughs> go you, lobby for cigar rights in dc but the thing is like the newman family and all these families are in such an amazing position to be able to tell that story for tampa right and then you guys too right all the all the bar owners and the lounge owners can get together and explain the camaraderie it provides for the people that enjoy it right i think you guys will be successful so we actually hosted a rally for marco rubio maybe like six months ago, but I remember his opening sentence was, this is Cigar City, and this reminds me of smoking a cigar on my grandfather's porch, and that's what it is. Yeah. It's, this is a culture, you know? Right. It's really a culture. It's not just another product that someone is selling on the shelf to make money off of. It's a piece of history. It's a piece of culture. It's one of the first things that was traded when the Europeans came to, you know, North America, people yeah. brought this back as a form of currency, as a form of medicine. So it's something completely different. It's probably hard to explain that to a lawmaker or even just a member of the public in California who is so I mean, Christopher far Columbus moved. brought this back. Right, <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, it dates back to Christopher Columbus. Since the beginning of the country. <laughs> but someone in California is not going to probably understand that. They're so far removed from that culture, the culture of Cigar City in Tampa. Right. Like, I think... In their heads, they they just associate this with a vape, with a cig- cigarette, and they bundle it all together. And I think that's the disconnect. So we don't uh, allow cigarette or vape smoking inside just oh. because we want to keep, like, the purity of cigars, I, I guess, love so that. to speak. That's cool. Um, I mean, we don't stop people from smoking vapes and cigarettes or pipe tobacco, but we don't allow it inside. So if a guest comes in and they want to smoke their vape pen or, you know, a cigarette, we just ask for them to go outside to smoke it just because the smell is so different as well. So different. Yeah. It's like night and day. In fact, when we've done a couple like renovations and flips in real estate, and when you go into a home that's been smoked in cigarettes, right, it smells horrible right. and there's yellow on the walls. 
But if someone smokes cigars in a home, it actually it's smells kind of good. Different. It smells good different. though. It's in fact, you can go find perfume and cologne at a store that has mm-hmm. a tobacco or a cigar scent. You're not gonna find a vape no. perfume or no. a cigarette perfume, right. right? It's notoriously bad smelling. So I think on every level they're completely different. And maybe it would take you going back to California and dragging some of those lawmakers here and be right. like, look at look at what a cigar really is. Yeah. Come check the culture out. Absolutely. Well, listen, I think we've been rolling about an hour. Angela, I really appreciate you doing the show. Thank you for coming out. This is really neat. I, I love think it. your story's hilarious. Like <laughs> you just you go into a tobacco shop to start doing homework and now what, you, you know say, what? It's the worst story ever because most people they come from a family of cigar makers or they're generational cigar stores. Are you are you embarrassed? Like if Drew Newman asked you, so how did you get into this business? Are you like, oh well? No, but at this point, it's the truth, and I don't know any other story to tell. It's the truth. <laughs> so that's so funny. Yeah, that that's how I got into cigars, and I am so blessed to. I don't know, for whatever reason, I decided to walk into a cigar shop one day. I am so blessed that I did that because this is my life. And I've met the greatest people in my life through cigars. It's amazing. Well, I'm so glad you stumbled in on it, too, because what you've created here is fantastic. And everyone in Tampa should come check it out. Thank Um, you so much. Grand Cathedral Cigars on Florida Avenue. You guys are easy to find, easy to get to. But if people want to follow you or look you up online, where can they find you? So we are Grand Cathedral Cigars on Instagram. Same thing on Facebook. Um, And we just opened up a YouTube channel. We haven't done anything with it yet. But we're on YouTube as well. Stay tuned, people. Stay tuned. Amazing. Angela, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you letting me share my story. Absolutely. Okay, bye, everybody.